Keenan, where do you work? Steve, I work in uh, Nelson, and uh, my position is with the Regional District Central Kootenai, and I'm the Deputy Chief in Operations. So I've been super fortunate to work uh, with some First Nations communities. I've worked as far north as Quebec, northern Quebec with the Cree. I've worked Telegraph Creek uh, in British Columbia and all throughout BC. And I was fortunate enough to work with you with some First Nations communities doing evaluations. I've done SISMs, but you helped bring one of the largest First Nations firefighting training events to my department that I was working in, Esquimalt. And we did a two-day firefighting competition. And it was super cool for me to be part of that and for our crews to be part of that and to see all the communities get together and compete. Um, how, how did that come about? How did you set that up? What's your involvement with that? Yeah, that was a, that was a fun time. And, you know, it's still pretty memorable for me in the, uh, in the fire services. And I always reflect back on those days. What it was is it, it was called the firefighter competition and it was for first nations and it was for the first nations fire departments, you know, to show off their skills and all the hard work that they've been putting in throughout the year. They would sharpen their skills through through a regiment of training, which was set up as JPRs, uh, job performance requirements. And they trained to those standards and then they had a competition uh, throughout the province of BC. So all of the fire departments came together that uh, they could come. We held it in Esquimalt that year and it followed the, uh, the Fire Chiefs Association in uh, Victoria. That year, Penelicut uh, was successful and they carried on to uh, Manitoba where we took them to Manitoba for the for the national fire competition. And uh, they competed against um, departments from each province and uh, they held their own, but unfortunately they didn't uh, put up a high enough score to be able to uh, get in the top three, but they did just great. If you look at the province of British Columbia and what we have for resources, I've been deployed multiple times into communities and there's always been a lack of resources. There's always been a challenge with communities not having the resources they need to protect themselves against wildfire. You've played a massive part in helping communities train and helping communities get resources. In fact, I could be talking to TLMN Nation or Bella Bella, and I mentioned Keenan O'Rourke, and a big smile comes onto the face of the people I'm talking about. You have one of the best reputations in the province for helping First Nations communities be better when it comes to emergency management. How did you get involved in that? I was working with West Kelowna Fire Rescue as a paid on call. Uh, a lifelong mentor for me, Wayne Snitzler, approached me and, and asked if I would be interested in taking on a program with uh, the Penticton First Nations. Um, and a brief background for myself is I am First Nations with uh, Swassum First Nations out of, um, out of uh, Delta and, and the Lower Mainland. That's my community. That's where my family still resides and still lives, um, the bulk of my family. I didn't grow up in the Lower Mainland. I grew up in the Okanagan. He, he knew I had the, the background in First Nations. Wayne also has a background in First Nations. And he just felt that it would be a really good fit for me to be able to take and work with the Penticton Indian Band. Penticton, I still hold very close and dear to my heart. They're, they're a fantastic community. They're the same as, as, as most of the First Nations communities that do have a fire department. But um, 
the reason that I that I hold Penticton so close is is uh, we worked really hard to get them up to speed and working to what the the province has mandated as the playbook. They're the first First Nations to complete the playbook for exterior level. They were the first First Nations or the first fire department for the Justice Institute of British Columbia to finish the uh, exterior program as well. They worked so hard. It took us a year to get them through it, but they did it. They received all of their finals um, in a grand celebration. And that's pretty much what kicked off my work with First Nations Emergency Services, which is finesse for short. And that launched me into working a little closer with finesse. They approached me and asked if I would be interested in moving into a, a fire services officer for them. I left my career as a overhead door technician. That was 28 years I'd been in that. And I jumped in with the First Nations Emergency Services to support the fire departments within the province. So that's what started it. And then from there, we built out some programs. Uh, we had some youth initiative programs. We had fire smarting programs. We had community safety programs. We had fire life safety programs. And then on top of all of that, we had firefighter training as well. It warmed my heart to work with the communities and to be able to travel throughout the province. I too, as well as, as yourself there, Steve, uh, I'd made myself over to, to um, Quebec as well to work with the Métis through the Justice Institute and um, spent some time with the groups in that, in that province. And um, it, the challenge is the same. It's across the board. You know, there is no funding or it's very limited. Uh, the communities are small. The fire departments have hand-me-downs or castaways or, or parts that just aren't either up to standard or just not quite right. But uh, they do absolutely the best they can with what they got and they put their best foot forward every day. I look at uh, the First Nations Emergency Services Society and I look what's been built up over the years and you've played a massive part in helping create that and, and, and working with communities and getting them to a point where they actually have a fire services or they're able to do forest fuel management or even emergency management. And you look at these communities now, if I would go into a community, I'd either drop as you said, Wayne is also a mentor to me, his name or your name. And I would say, I'm here to help. It's amazing when there's a, say a wildfire coming into a community, how resilient those communities are. But what's really impressive is how hard they work and how good they are at working with other agencies when they come in. It's very impressive, at least in BC, that uh, I think you and Wayne play a huge part in that. Describe when a wildfire comes into a, a community. Resiliency is, is a great word to use for, for the First Nations groups, but pride is, is another one too. They have a ton of pride and they wear their heart on their sleeves. They're there for their community. They're there for the resources. They're there for the land and they'll fight as, as hard as they can with what they've got. When a wildfire comes into a First Nations community or it starts to threaten their borders, they go into real active response. There's a lot of compassion for what they want to try to achieve, but they're limited in, in what they can actually do, being that they're a small community, uh, most likely they're a remote community. Yeah, the problem is, you know, limited resources, um, some of the funding and equipment that, uh, that First Nations have. It doesn't support a lot of active firefighting where I came from in, in West Kelowna from a municipal fire department, they just, they don't have those resources. So they do the best they can with what they've got. 
2017 was a big year for province. That was a big year for us. I, and I believe that's, you know, where Steve, you and I, uh, we were able to come together and really do some fantastic work in the, in the uh, First Nations communities. My initial deployment was over to the Cache Creek Fire, um, which started in Ashcroft and decimated the Ashcroft First Nations. When I rolled in, I was basically tossed straight into uh, the community of, of uh, Bonaparte. And I didn't know at the time, but this is an interesting story. I didn't know at the time when I rolled into Bonaparte, the fire was basically coming straight into, into the community. We were scratching guard, doing the best we could with what we had. I jumped on a hand line and, and a hand tool and shoulder to shoulder with, with the First Nations groups there. We, we stopped the fire basically like from about 40 feet from the first house and kept it going in that fashion. The person I was cutting guard with and working hand lines with happened to be the community's chief, or Kupke, and uh, that was Brian Day. And we met the next day, and I didn't know who I was working with, but it turns out it was Ryan. And we developed a fantastic relationship out of that, and we went to work the very next day on, on what the community needs were. You know, in a nutshell, that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll fight with whatever they can. They'll stay in their community. Um, they're going to do their absolute best with the limited equipment and training that they do have. But that's how I uh, started my 2017 wildfire season, and it kept going from there. That fire turned into a complex. A complex is a whole bunch of fires merging together, and I ended up being an incident commander in Clinton for the Elephant Hill fire, and that fire turned into a gigantic monster in the province of BC. And um, it was quite ominous what can happen with a small fire. And it just continues to grow over the course of the season. It was uh, pretty spectacular. There was a lot of lessons learned. A report that came out from BC Wildfire on the Elephant Hill. Uh, when I read the report, uh, when it came to the First Nations groups, clear to see that they identified that there needs to be tighter interagency working relationships with the First Nations groups. There needs to be a higher level of support from the government all the way down to the First Nations groups. And out of that 2017 fires, uh, I really feel like they're making some strides and improvements in that. Wayne is is now the, the finesse director. He's, he's taken on that role. Uh, they've since replaced the director, and it's, uh, I believe, Finesse is taking a, uh, a higher priority with the thoughts and the, and the needs for the First Nations groups, and he's got the ear of the provincial and federal government, and those needs are being met. He's retooled the emergency management program. He's got some fantastic people on board. I really feel like, you know, we've, from the groundwork and the truths that we built out of 2017, 2018, and 2019, we're steadily making that progress as we move forward. Proud to say I'm still part of the finesse program and, and happy to help. My time is a little bit limited, but I think I can do for the groups. I definitely want to do that. I worked with Wayne Snitzler in 2017, which at the time was one of Canada's worst wildfires in history. And I went up with Wayne in the middle of July and never came home till the middle of September. And we thought that would be the worst of the worst. And then 2018, I ended up working in the same office in the Emergency Operations Center in Kamloops with Wayne uh, in 2018. And again, went up in the middle of July and came home in the middle of September. And what's interesting about that gentleman is he's very connected with all the agencies, Indigenous Services Canada, 
He has a great reputation throughout the province of BC. He has a great reputation. And when there's a state of emergency, Wayne and I and a couple other people, we sat in an office with command boards for the entire province of BC. And all we did was manage resources. We managed rigs. We called out apparatus. And we sat there every day doing that. And when you work with someone that has an amazing reputation in the province, you can get things done. And I know Wayne is a difference maker in BC because he is very well respected by BC Wildfire. He's very well respected by all First Nations communities across the country. And he's very respected in the fire service. Wayne was a Surrey firefighter many, many years ago and went off to be the chief of West Kelowna where he used to work. And we have a good friend, but he's also taught us a lot and put us in positions where we could learn. And all the First Nations communities are really lucky to have someone like yourself and someone like Wayne Schnitzer working for them because it just gets so much stuff done. It's amazing. Out of all of the programs in Finesse, you know, the emergency management program is now starting to become that true emergency management program that, that the First Nations groups really need. And it's it's still going to be a work in progress. I, I don't see it as a completed project in the next year, but the leaps and the bounds that, that will be able to make now with uh, you know some horsepower so to speak first nations horsepower that's the other piece too is that we can build programs or we can follow program structure that uh, is set out by institutes they're really not set up for you know first nations communities you look at some of the communities and steve you've been there you've been to the remote communities and and you try to put some of these programs in place and they just it's square peg round hole just doesn't fit they're so unique that it's difficult to say, you know, the program that works for downtown West Kelowna or downtown Surrey is going to work out in, in some of these super remote communities. That's that's the challenges. And then the biggest challenge as well is that, you know, if you can imagine living in your community and everyone that's in your community is, is either a family member or related in some fashion, that just tugs on the heartstrings and the challenges around that are, are so difficult. And now you add in complexity of, of wildfire and talk about emotions and talk about stressors and the critical incident stress that we talk about that, that comes through some of these communities is, is huge. And it, it doesn't go away right after the fire goes away either. There's so much more there at play. It just keeps going and going in compounds. And that's why we really need to put in a lot of stop blocks and we need to have, you know, resiliency centers put in. We need to have the, the compassion for the cultural awareness and then the family piece on top of it. It's a big demon to deal with, but you know what? We're, we're working on it very hard and, and Wayne's done a fantastic job there in Finesse and I'm still proud to be the organization. I did my first SISM in a community and it was the very first time I realized that they, every call they go on they know that person. And mm -hmm. I couldn't wrap my head around that. Every death, every car accident, every call they go to, um, they know that person. They're connected. And a lot of times they're related. I found it quite overwhelming because I couldn't wrap my head around that. And then every community I got to know afterwards, I realized that is a huge challenge for these communities is that, you know, they have fire trucks and some of them have ladder trucks and rescues and they're a full fire department, but they're responding to people they know every single day. And I, I just found that so overwhelming because it's only happened to me a couple of times in my career, but I remember them like they were yesterday. I can't imagine going to almost every call where you know someone. Yeah. When I was in West Kelowna and the tones would go off for, for me as a paid on call 
and it was an MBI just when my girls were starting to learn how to drive. I always remember, you know, and it still had flashbacks that on the way out the doors and trying to get to the fire hall, I'm counting shoes and looking for cars in the driveway just to make sure, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't one of mine and heartfelt relief when you see the cars parked in the driveway and the shoes in the driveway so you know your family's safe. You know, when you're looking at, at First Nations groups, it's, it's exactly that, Steve. It is so difficult for them. Uh, they know for a fact that, you know, the two o'clock in the morning, if a pager goes off and it's a shortness of breath that they're going to, they're going to know that person. You're, you're 100% correct. And to wear that every day, all day, man, that's, that's tough. So, you know, first responder mental health in, in the First Nations community is, is, a, is a huge subject. It's, it's a subject that I brought up when I first started with, with Vanessa. There was no medium critical incident stress management at the time. And I still remember sitting in the conference with, with a, a panel of 30 and, and we brought up critical incident stress management. And I said, no, when firefighters need it, they need it now. And I got this, I got told that there's this program they have to go through the health authority and that, you know, it's a clinical decision, whether or not there, it could be up to, you know, like 25 to 30 days before somebody gets out to see them. And to me, that was unacceptable on more than enough occasions, I skirted that system and I found different avenues and, and I, I reached out to neighboring departments and they were happy to help. I remember this like it was yesterday. I got a phone call from a First Nations group and, and uh, the fire chief was basically in tears. And he said, you know, we had a, we had a death in the community. It was a, a mobile home that caught on fire. And unfortunately the lady didn't make it out. My guys found her when they were doing, doing some overhaul. And of course, one of them, it was an ant and they need some help. And, you know, for me to reach out to the health authority and try to put, put that through and say, you know what, uh, we'll be there in 20 to 25 days. You know, that's just unacceptable. So reached out to the neighboring fire department, which happened to be about 25, 30 minutes away, which was a career department. And um, sorry, Steve. It's hard. Sorry about that, man. Okay. Well, anyway, I reached out to the career department and they were there in an hour. It proves that, you know, there's, there's, there's some fantastic people out there and they understand. And this isn't a program that, that um, you take lightly. You know, you, the people that sign up for these, these positions, you know, and, and, my hat's off to every person that, that says they're going to take on a critical incident stress management program. <clears throat> Sorry. You know, they don't take it on because, you know, they just want to try to fulfill a position or, or pad a resume or, or look at it like that. They genuinely care. You know, that proves it right there that, you know what, there's, there's boundaries where from a career department to a paid on call department, from a career department to a First Nations department, uh, municipal department to First Nations department, it doesn't matter. Like a traumatic event is a traumatic event and it's, it's tough to deal with, but it does show that the folks that are in that program um, and, and wanting to help, uh, you know, they, they genuinely want to help. So I can't thank those guys enough for jumping on it and, and Steve, I've leaned out to you on a couple of occasions now as well. And you're that same guy. You're you're jumping on it and, and you're helping out. Um, 
you know, you did a SISM for a First Nations group that uh, were going through a really rough patch. And, you know, I still get messages back from them and say, you know what, it, that session just out few hours just really made them realize how much folks like yourself care. And they still talk about it, you know, so it, it's important. It's super important to, to get it out and to talk about it and to, uh, to move forward. You know, I know my, my son-in-law is a, is a career firefighter and, and he doesn't live in the community that he, that he works in, um, in, the, in the municipal department that he works for. He lives outside because he just found it way too difficult. He found it too difficult, you know, to, to drive around the, the area and to, you know, maybe see people that he possibly could, could have treated or worked on or, or other. He needs that separation. So he lives somewhere else, but, you know, first nations groups, they don't get that, you know, the first, the fire departments, they're, they're signing up, they're doing it for free. There's no money for them. And then on top of it, they're responding to their family members. So it's, it's huge. It's super compounded. Uh, when I first got involved in some of the communities and they welcomed me in and I would feel so fortunate um, that I, I was able to learn more about, you know, what the struggles of First Nations are. And, you know, from a kid growing up in East Van to, to being in a community where you're welcomed in and you're having dinner and, you know, they're sharing openly some stories, uh, very hard, uh, very hard to listen to, very hard to see how challenging life is in some of these communities. And, you know, I think so many people have no idea. I think in the province of BC, I mean, we were talking about wildfires, but there's challenges every day in communities and being a first responder in a First Nations community is, is one of the toughest jobs. Uh, it's, it's probably the toughest first responder job. Um, I don't think people understand how hard it is. And, uh, you know, you are an inspiration to so many communities. And so is Wayne on how to live your life, how to help others, how to share. I'm so grateful and honored that been able to be part of some very tragic situations and there's been healing and I've been I've been part of that healing it's it's very important for me on my journey to to understand what other people are going through and you know you've given me that opportunity and so is Wayne and I uh, I'm just I'm super grateful um, I think you learn a lot about yourself when you're exposed to energy of other people by first nation communities and and those people on that energy, it's, it's, it's magical. First Nations communities show people like myself who grew up in a big city things that they're pretty special and the world and the universe work in a completely different way than you ever imagined. And uh, they exist and, and thrive and grow and they do it in spite of all those challenges, but they sure are lucky to have people like you out there uh, who care and who've been building and just continue to help them and be there for, for them. It's super cool, super cool, Keenan. You're an awesome human being. And I know your wife's fully involved in everything as well. And I remember when we did that firefighter challenge, your Kelly, your wife was working there and my wife was there and good friend uh, Curtis Dick was there from out of it. And uh, there was laughter, there was fun, there was training, there was learning. And uh, it was just an amazing event. And I hope to do another one of those in Victoria here. So I'm pretty excited. I just want to thank you on behalf of all the people from BC Wildfire to the OFC to the structural firefighters that have worked with you. And man, we are so grateful that someone like you is out there and you care. Um, thank you for everything you do, Keenan. Hey, thank you too, Steve. I've never met a more humble person than, than yourself. And 
you know, just having the ability to, to be able to sit and chat with you always makes me feel good. We do share a few texts every week and that keeps me grounded. Yeah, thank you too, Steve. Anytime, I'd be happy to help you. That wraps up another edition of Undercover Mental Health. Thank you so much for listening and helping us make a difference when it comes to mental health. Take care.